So we've been going through these last few weeks stories of Peter and, and looking at how Jesus came and changed his life. And of course, there's a lot more stories about Peter than what we'll hit, but we're hitting on five. And so we have this game board up here of shoots and ladders. And if you remember and have ever played the game shoots and ladders, you know, you use the ladders to go up and the shoots are things that cause you to go backwards. And that was kind of symbolic of Peter's life. You know, he, he made some good decisions and he went up the ladder. And then the shoots are the times where he messed up. It was like he's taking a step back. But the difference with Peter's life in the game of shoots and ladders is that you always had Jesus there taking and grabbing him when he did make a mistake and pulling him farther along. He was never good on his own. And we really see that today in what is the climactic moment, the key pivotal point of Peter's life is what we'll talk about today. Um, but before we talk about that, let me ask you the question. How many of y'all have ever played the game Horseshoes? Uh, my grandfather loves the game of Horseshoes. I remember growing up, not so much now, because he can't drive the stakes into the ground like he used to, but I remember growing up, every time we had a family gathering, there was going to be horseshoes out there. And of course, the ground all around it was going to be dirty, and the horseshoes were heavy and rusty. He probably made them because he was a welder. Um, not a lot of people play it anymore. They play uh, like cornhole or something like that. But you know, in the game of horseshoes, you have really one goal. You have a horseshoe, and your target is to hit that stick on the other end and to get a ring. And that stick, the pole, I don't know if it has a real name. Does it have a real name? Stake. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that stake doesn't move. It's there. And no matter what you want, it's, it's always going to be there. And it's all about really how close you can get to. Of course, ultimate goal being you want to be exactly on it, ringer. We kind of have that same situation in life. God has a standard. He has a stake that he's driven in the ground to say, this is what I expect of you. And that stake for God is called holiness. And it's not a made-up thing. He says, be holy because I am holy. So basically, God says, since I'm holy, that's the stake of what he expects from us. And that's why God, one of the definitions of sin in the Bible is to miss the mark. In the Old Testament, when it uses the word sin, some of those times the literal picture is of somebody trying to shoot for a target and missing that target. Because the idea is that we're trying to shoot for God's standard and we don't hit it. And of course, we all know that all of us have sinned. We all of us have missed the mark. None of us are holy like God expects of us. And of course, if you grew up in church, you've learned that there is an answer to that. What is it? Come on, y'all. What's the answer to the sin? Christ. Christ. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Typical Sunday school answer, right? Jesus. He, he's the answer to our sin. He's the answer to our forgiveness. And that's what we kind of see and we will see today. We will see the story of Peter and how he missed the mark and the type of forgiveness that Jesus showed to Peter before, during, and after that. So first, let's look at what happened beforehand. And this is Luke 22, 31 through 34. Who wants to get that? Luke 22, 31 through 34. Luke 
Thank you, Teresa. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan had done for you that you may that he may stiff you and flee. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And you have returned to me to strengthen your brethren. But they said to him, Lord, I am ready to gather you back to prison and death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the Richard shall not pray this day before you will deny me the three times that I Alright. So in this passage, Jesus gives a warning. Now we have warnings all the time. You know, we have tornado warnings. What do you do when you have a tornado? Pay attention to it. You go and hide. You know, you might get a warning um, from your bank saying that there's been unusual activity. You need to do something about it. You know, what are the purposes of warnings? Anybody? To, to prepare you to get you to do something, you know, it, it would be foolish to hear a warning and just completely ignore it. And that's what Jesus is giving to Simon today. He's looking at Jesus, looking at the future. We see Jesus is already preparing to forgive Peter for what he knows is coming, and he's trying to give Peter a warning about what's ahead. And so it starts off, and he says, Simon, Simon. Up here. He says, Simon, Simon. It's interesting that he begins with calling him Simon, not Peter. Why do you think that is? What's significant about the name Simon instead of Peter? Peter's the name that Jesus gave him. This was his name prior to meeting Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was taking notice of that, and it was his name that he had prior to Jesus, too. So it's almost like a subtle way of saying, Hey, you're you know, you're getting back into what you were before. This is Simon that's coming up, not the Peter that I've called you to be. And he says that Satan's going to ask permission to sift you like we now that you there. Some of your Bibles might have translated it a little differently. Because it's actually a plural. So he's not talking about Simon in particular. He's actually talking about all the disciples. So he's saying, we don't really know what this means, but apparently somehow Satan has permission to test and stress out all of the disciples. And Jesus is warning them of that. But he says in verse 32, going back to the singular view, he says, I pray for you, King Peter, that your faith may not fail, and once you have turned back, you strengthen your brothers. So Jesus emphasizes that despite what Satan's trying to do, Jesus himself is acting as Peter's mediator before God's Father, and he's praying for Peter specifically, one, that his faith wouldn't fail, and what's amazing, he says when he does fail, that he'll come back and strengthen your brothers. And then Peter does, uh, let's see if it's a shoot up here. Now, it should have been up there, it should have been a shoot. Then Peter, in his normal, typical, boastful manner, says verse 33, like, nah, Lord, I'm not going to deny you, I'll die for you. That's like receiving the tornado warning and then saying, nah, there's no tornado coming. Is what Peter's doing. He thinks he knows better. And so Jesus lays it on him even more bluntly and he says i'm telling you peter 
you're going to die me three times before the rooster crows. Now, this rooster, it, that was a specific time that they knew about. Um, the third watch of the night was called the, the uh, rooster. Um, I can't remember the name, but it was named after the rooster because that third watch of the night was from 12 to 3, and usually around 3 o'clock is when the roosters start crowding. And so he's basically saying that this night before 3 a.m., Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And so let's, we can actually continue on and see then what happens. What's interesting about this passage is that Jesus, um, he could have been angry at Peter. You know, he, again, he knows that Peter's about to sin. And he could have been angry at Peter for what he was going to do. He could have been angry at the way Peter was just kind of ignoring the commands. But instead, Jesus continued to have patience in a way, was already demonstrating to him that he was going to forgive him. How did he do that? What did he say to him that showed that he was already ready to forgive him even before he sinned? What did he say to him in those verses? Exactly. He's saying, I'm praying for you. And he's saying, once, and once you turn again, strengthen your brothers. How is it possible to turn again unless Jesus is prepared to forgive you? And so we learn in this passage that Jesus even forgives sins that we don't even have committed yet. How does it make you feel knowing that Jesus is there in heaven today? Praying for you, as Hebrews 7, 23-25 says, Jesus is actually praying for you today before God the Father, and he's ready and has already forgiven you for stuff that you don't even know you're going to do yet. How does that make you feel? Secure. Secure, yeah. Once you become saved, you can't lose your salvation because Jesus is there with us, just like he was with Peter's, ready to forgive us, not just when we sin, but even ready to forgive us before we sin. And so let's see then, not only did Jesus forgive future sins, let's see what happens in the moment. And so well, this is going to be Luke 22, 54 through 62. Somebody want to read 54 through 62. <clears throat> Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed far off. When they had kindled the fire in the midst of the hall, 
and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him and sat by the fire, and honestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied it, saying, Woman, I am, I know it not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also with him. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of the truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And then he probably spake, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, Before the cock grows, thou shalt deny me three times. So this is skipping ahead to the time of Jesus. He's been arrested, or he's allowed himself to be arrested. And they lead him to the house of the high priest this time. And Peter follows along in a distance. He's interested in what's going on, but he is scared. He's obviously nervous about what's happening. And he comes and he begins to take care of himself by the fire. Now, the Passover in Israel about this time uh, it's up It's up in the mountaintop area. It's a time of year where there it's freezing cold. It's not surprising that they would need a fire at this time. But the fact that it mentions Peter next to this fire, it really tells us two things. One, that it's almost like a knock on Peter that here's Jesus. He's getting beat up and spit on and drilled. And yet Peter's like, I'm cold. I need to go by the fireplace. You know, it's almost like he's caring a little bit more about his needs at this moment already. And then the fact that it's night, I read one thing I thought was interesting. Uh, the nighttime in the book of John is emphasized heavily, more so than in Luke. And in the book of John, John uses the settings of night and daytime purposefully. And we'll see that when we see this third section, that he, he really uses that as a commentary of what's going on. So in other words, if it's nighttime, if it's dark, that's telling you about what kind of events are happening, right? They're bad. They're not good. Here's Peter at night in the dark. And the first person to ask him is a slave girl. And it says a little bit about Peter's fear and that a slave girl who doesn't even really ask him anything that harsh yet said this man we're with him too. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But even this, this girl, this little girl that was a servant, that was enough to terrify him. And he denies Jesus. In John's version, it emphasizes, maybe he said, you know, he probably said more than one sentence. The sentence that John emphasizes, he says, I am not. Which is the reverse of I am that Jesus says all the time. And so it's already not looking good for Peter. Then things wrap up a little bit more. Now it's not this servant girl, but it's another person. And now they're not just saying, hey, you know him. They're saying, hey, you were a disciple. You were with him too. And Peter is even more adamant this time. And he's even more strict. Now he's not just saying he's not with Jesus. He's saying he's not his disciple. And then again, a third time, it racks up a little bit more, where now he's even saying this guy is one of the 12. 
that went with Jesus everywhere because he had a Galilean accent just like Jesus did. And they knew that all Jesus' disciples had Galilean accents. And Jesus, I mean, Mark, Peter, denies Jesus a third time. And in Mark, I believe, it even says that he curses at this time. So the questions get more intense, but his answers get more intense. First, he's just saying, hey, I wasn't really around him. I don't really know him. Secondly, it wasn't just the disciples. And third, it was, I'm not one to 12, and he's cursing about it. And then Luke records one of the saddest sentences in his gospel. In verse 61, it says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Seems the rooster crowed. Can you imagine being Peter at that moment? That means that you were close enough to Jesus, that Jesus probably heard what Peter was saying at that moment. And you're close enough to see Jesus' eyes, knowing where he's looking. And Jesus, hearing that, and of course also being God, knowing what's going on, as soon as that rooster crows, turns and looks dead Peter in the eyes. And Luke even calls him the Lord. So this is not, he's emphasizing, this is not just Jesus, this is God staring right at Peter at that moment. And he remembered then, when he sees the Lord's eyes, what Jesus predicted mere hours before. In Mark's version, right before this, they were tormenting Jesus and mocking him and asking him to prophesy about something. And then right here, we get a prophecy come true. And of course, Peter can't take it. He goes out and he weeps because of what he did. You know, you think about Jesus, he was, yes, he was captured, but he, he was not captured. You know, at any moment, he could have called down help and he could have escaped. So he was never at any moment out of his power to do something. And instead of in that moment turning to Peter and telling you, and I told you so, like we usually do, or being angry at him, or you know, kind of busting everybody out like we sometimes would want to do. He just looked at it. And I like what our BBS material said. He said, Jesus was in the process of going to the cross and offering his life to forgive Peter for sins at the very moment Peter was committing that sin. And Jesus died for the cross for our commitment too. Anybody got any comments about that story, that part? So I read something <coughs> where it said the rooster that crowed at three, that's before daylight. And it's, that sort of symbolized how Christ died for us when it was still dark and then it became light. Hmm. It, some, it was sort of important. I know that was some interesting. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Yeah. See, the, um, back then they would kind of use the rooster to help determine when the watch would end, that third watch, and they usually ended it on the, the third rooster crow. So that one was like the rooster that everybody really cared about. 
So that's why some of the Gospels, they mention three roosters, but Luke mentions one, because he only mentions the one that everybody really cared about, or the other ones are more accurate and mention the other two as well. Um, but yeah, it's early. We're talking three o'clock in the morning. You know, we probably all have sinned and then felt the presence of God right after that. Yeah. I know I am. Yeah. Too is not to say he looked at him like angrily, you know, he was just looking at him. Yeah, yeah, John is there because John's there the whole time. The gospel of John tells us that, but the rest are gone. John, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes and no. I mean, Jesus didn't like get on top, you know, get all onto him and stuff. But Judas never truly repented of what happened and changed. That was actually one of the questions I was going to ask: was how does Peter's response? What he did to Jesus compared to Judas. What's the difference? He was a whale. He was. And Judas, it does say that he grieved. So it wasn't necessarily the weeping. There's something else that goes along with it, though. Because Judas did grieve. And remember, he gave the money back to the Pharisees. So he was sorry for what he did, but he wasn't never truly saved. What, what was the difference between him and Peter? Uh, in that respect, he didn't repent. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a difference between regretting doing sin, even to the point of weeping about sin, and actually coming to Jesus, asking forgiveness, and doing better afterwards. Judas, he was sorry for what he did, and we just led him to commit suicide. Peter, as you were saying, this was the this is the dramatic changing point in his life. And from this point on, Peter's not the same person anymore. And he goes back to Jesus, as we'll see again, and he'll Jesus will forgive him. He'll seek Jesus to forgive him. And he'll seek to follow Jesus from then on out. And that's the difference is seeking forgiveness and a change in the future as opposed to just being sorry for what you did. 
disciples saved, when do we definitively know at Pentecost? Um, you know, probably it would depend on, uh, you know, person to person. John, the fact that he stuck around with Jesus the whole time, is, and the fact that he's called a disciple whom Jesus loved, that's a pretty strong indication that he was likely saved um, the whole time. Others like Thomas, you know, you probably think, for him, it was probably during the resurrection, you know, when he saw Jesus that one time. And for a lot of the others, it probably was the resurrection as well. You know, <coughs> they scattered until the resurrection. It was almost like they quit believing it until then. They were. They were scared. All of the accounts in the gospel are idols. Peter denies Christ. Mm -hmm. So Peter denies all that interview of the following Christ. Yeah. He had been very much, I'm with you, I'm very gung ho. Mm -hmm. You know, very gung ho toward all of what was going on, but then when it came down to the that. He was like, that's not me. But we all have to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, he's been a lot of pride. And this was like, Jesus had to break his pride in himself. You know, he had, he had to realize, he had to be humbled and realize, you know, I can't do this. Obviously, when it does come down to it, I will fail. So I do need Jesus' power to stand up. Yeah, which we'll get to in a sec. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because in John's gospel, there's several things in John's gospel that are funny to me, especially in comparison between John and Peter. It's almost like John goes out of the way to poke at Peter a little bit. But in, for example, that's the one where it says that they raced to the tomb and the other disciple got there first. It's like, why put that? It had to have been just him poking fun at Peter, saying he won the foot race. But, um, in John's book, when he talks about this, he talks about being there. And the first person who asked Peter if he knew Jesus, she says, "Are you? do you know Jesus? Are you with Jesus also? So the implication is John is there. She knows John is a disciple. He's public about it while he's there. And she's asking Peter, are you also a disciple like John is? And so that even sounds worse then because, you know, it's like you're saying, John obviously in his version was open about it even in that moment. And Peter, with John standing there next to him, still nods to Jesus. So let's see. <laughs> of course, that would be a really sad story if the story Peter ended there, but the story Peter doesn't end there. And so it's not really a sad story. We see his restoration, especially in the book of John. So let's read, and we'll get two people. <laughs> Let me see a good, it's John 21. I'm going to be turning there, John 21. It's back to the beginning longer, so I'll be too to read it. 
John 21. And then somebody read verses 1 through 11. And then somebody who wants to get that 1 through 11. All right, Sammy. And then somebody else get 12 through 19. 12 through 19. Who wants that? Vince said he's got it. All right, Sammy.
Yes. And he spoke to him by what did he pull by God. And when he had closed his hands, followed him. So I wish we had more time to dive deep in this passage, but we don't. But I point out this. Um, like I said in John, the, the naming of times today are important. And when did Jesus show up in this story? Early in the morning. morning, when the sun broke up, you know, the sun is rising up, it's giving light, and there's Jesus standing there. And it's a new era, it's a new day, light has come. Here's Jesus, and he appears to these disciples. You know, some people say that they went back to being fishermen by trade. Some people say that's probably not, they were just going because they had time. I fall into that camp. This is the third time Jesus has appeared to them. They probably are just trying to kill some time. But John kind of, again, poked, I think he's poking fun of Peter. And he says, you know, John's the one that notices it's Jesus. And he's the one that tells Peter it's Jesus. And he jumps in the water and swims there. And Jesus has a coal fire burning. And that word, that coal fire in the book of John, only appears one other time in the book of John. Guess which story the word coal fire appears? The story of Peter denying Jesus. It's the only two times that word appears in this gospel. And over this, another coal fire, the second one in, in book of John, Jesus asks him three questions. And they probably weren't meant to be three different questions. They're just three different ways of phrasing the same thing mirroring the three denial that Peter had. And so he gets to the third time and Peter's grieved, most likely because the, the light bulb is kicked on. He's realized he's around a cold fire again. And Jesus has asked him a question three times that he essentially answered wrongly, you know, days earlier. And this is Jesus' way of forgiving him. And then to kind of top it off, Jesus tells him another warning and his warning is basically telling him that he's going to die for following Jesus, which, as Sammy pointed out, was the main reason he denied Jesus in the first place. He was afraid of being arrested and dying with Jesus. And Jesus is basically telling him again, hey, if you follow me, you're going to get arrested and you're going to die. And he says those two words, follow me. That's the way verse 19 ends. Um, yeah. yeah, and we know, and we know from Acts, we know from church history, that's exactly what he did. You know, he did follow Jesus even all the way to follow him to his death. Um, he ended up doing what he told Jesus he was going to do, and John just was later in his life. And so Jesus forgives even past that. Why do you think? <laughs> Sorry. Why do you think Peter jumped in the water when he saw Jesus? What was he thinking about Jesus? What does that tell us about Jesus that Peter would be willing to jump in the water to go get him? Yes, in fact, he needed to clear up with Jesus. Yeah. He <laughs> get there first. So he stopped him before he had others got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does it say? Yeah. 
And he knew Jesus was going to take care of him. You know, you don't jump in the water from a boat. Uh, and he was only about 100 yards away, but still, if you don't expect it to be good when you get there, you know. So if these three passages speak so much about forgiveness, my last question is, um, why is it sometimes that we find it hard to believe that Jesus will forgive us when we miss the Lord? If this story teaches us what Jesus did for Peter. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, little. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. 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 So, hopefully you've accepted and asked Jesus to forgive you. Hopefully you've asked Jesus to forgive you. If not, I encourage you to do that. And I hope if you have asked Jesus to forgive you, you read this story and come away with it with the confidence knowing he absolutely has. He's forgiven you in the future for anything you're going to do. He forgives you in the moment. And he'll forgive you 